That was your first shirtless interview? Yeah. I've done some sweaty interviews before sure. I got the air conditioner. I thought Andy Richter was going to die in my garage. But, I, uh, but you know, I've since uh, cooled things down in there. I, I, I was thinking earlier, because you, you, know, you were in New York for, for a while. You were in Astoria, right? Yeah, I lived in the city for a few years. And uh, in Astoria for many years, yeah. I was I was thinking that like if I ever moved back to the West Coast and wanted to convince myself this was not a place that I wanted to move back to, I would come at, on a week like this. The funny thing is, is like this is the best week I've had in New York in a long time because there's something very um, like I remember this heat and I remember that the the weird sort of like you know, almost like euphoria of exhaustion and dampness you get i like walking around the streets of new york and the humidity because i think everybody just looked slightly cranky they all look like they're walking away from some shameful sexual adventure everyone looks like they're on a walk of shame when it's humid in new york because you know their clothes just give up immediately their hair gives up immediately you know they're just like Ugh. and uh i think it's really charming and i i have a lot of memories about summer in new york just like running around drunk and crazy and sweating and doing comedy you know, it was a fun time i have more memories of this time it seems to jar some kind of uh i'm kind of sort of nostalgic for new york more when it's this muggy and horrible than i do when it's you know beautiful and crisp so, uh, so uh, do you do you miss uh, almost that like forced interaction that new york gives you i mean you're in los angeles now so you can cut yourself off from human beings most of the day i, I think i do i think it's very energizing but i don't miss it actively I, i'm never in la going you know like God, i gotta get back to new york i mean I, you know i hit a wall with it you know there there's a point where you're like there's a guy right there always yeah. and uh you know i don't know him and you know I, it's like starting to bother me but uh but you know, this time, like it's been a while since I've been back alone for any any real amount of time. It's been pretty good because I mean I know the city. Yeah, you know, I'm very comfortable here, and I do like walking around and, and looking at uh, you know the the parade of uh, you know. It, there's nothing like just the fact that you know on any given day, you know, on any block in New York, you can just see every level of person doing whatever it is they do here. You know, there's just uh, it's just pretty amazing. You don't see that anywhere else. Are, like are people you, working. Are, are you? Are you? I mean, you you bought a house. Are, are you kind of? Are you just in L.A. now? Is that is that the plan for? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable out yeah. there. I mean, I, you know, I like my little house, and you know, I don't mind driving. I grew up driving. I really, the the downside of L.A. is a, a sort of you're a little cut off. But I mean, you know, you kind of build your own life for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, there are some benefits to having room to cook in your kitchen. Uh, you know, which is you know certainly a a rare thing in New York. <laughs> You know, there there are some advantages to wanting to go back to your house, yeah, uh, or being able to. You know, yeah. the you know, like in New York, I just remember you you'd leave in the morning and then like you, you just didn't go home, for, you know, maybe for an hour to shower and then go back out. But you know, I have a life where uh, you know I, I don't mind sitting in my my house. Yeah, I mean, you've got a job where you know you could yeah, it's pretty you it's a short see uh, short work. It's a short walk to work for me. Yeah, and I just go out back and into the garage. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I you know the the really the the only problem with L.A. is just it, it, it's sort of hackneyed, but it really is traffic. I mean, that is really the most consistent pain in the ass of living in that city. Uh, but you know, other than that, it's 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 pretty nice. Did Did you move out there like with hopes of doing TV at some point, or what brought you out there? No, I think so. it, that was definitely the why I went out there originally. You know, I was with a woman and she was ready to go, and uh, you know, I was uh, you know I was done. You know, because every place becomes a small town eventually. And I went out there. I had a deal. 
with Fox Studios, you know, to develop. And uh, the woman who became my second wife, you know, she was ready to go. You know, she was uh, pretty jarred, you know, by nine eleven, and and you know, and that kind of you know, you know, fucked her head up pretty good. And and uh, I was just sort of like uh, I had sort of run the 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 gamut here. You, everything becomes a small neighborhood. Did I already say that? So it's worth saying twice. Well, it is kind of because, you know, even when you live in New York, you sit there and think about like, it's amazing. They have everything here. How much of everything do you do? Well, I go to that bodega and, and I hang out at that place. That's where I eat. So, you know, you're really re- you know, relegated to a few blocks that you're comfortable with. And like in L.A., at least you've got an excuse not to go there, right? Because you've got three hours of traffic separating you from... Yeah, and, you know, and it, it's, again, it's like building a home. It's, it's very hard to build a home in New York unless you have a lot of money. But I did go out there, um, you know, to, to... I had a deal with the Fox Studios to, to write a script for a show. Uh, that didn't happen, but it did get me out there. And, um, you know, and then after that went south, you know, I had some money stashed and I'd never really thought about buying a house. I didn't know how to buy a house. But, you know, when you're with a woman who wants a house, you know, you learn things. So, you know, I found a house and, you know, it's just a coincidence, that, you know, how it all happened. But, yeah, I end up with a house. I'm a comic. Like, I don't I don't spend much money. And when I have it, you know, I, I just keep it because I don't know when shit is going to go bad. So, yeah, so I was out there, you know, uh, since 2002, and that deal went south, and, yeah, I don't really remember what I did. I ended up back here. Oh, yeah, I do. So I was out there 2002. The deal didn't happen. I bought the house, and then I got the job on Air America. So then I was going back and forth, you know, not much, but mostly here in New York. So I came back to New York for another year and a half to do Air America, to do morning radio, and, I, and apparently destroyed my marriage uh, in the course of that. And then, uh, you know, I went back to L.A. and tried to do some radio there, but that didn't really pan out. And then, uh, yeah, then the wife left, and then uh, it got ugly, and I went pretty bankrupt. And then I came back here to do, uh, you know, the the other thing that led to the podcast, the Break Room Live, the live video streaming show at Cedar. And that eventually, you know, then, you know, Air America went belly up again, and that's what led to the podcast. And then I'm back. And now, you know... Um, I have, I'm on TV now. Like, it wasn't until the podcast that, you know, things... You know, when you're a comic, like, every few years, you hope enough shit goes wrong or changes in your life that you can pitch a show that's different one than the one you pitched a few years ago. Yeah, you know, every you know, as a comic, you do get opportunities to go into executives' office and put on a show for them so they can fill up their calendar what, what and were, maybe... What were you pitching last time? Which time? Um, the, the one that when led you to moved this out show? to Los Angeles. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, the show. What the was one? What was the Fox show? Yeah. Oh, that was uh Which one was that? Oh, that was that was a good show. Yeah. Yeah. The first deal I had was before that. The first deal I was in New York, and the first deal I had was with NBC, and that was I was a disgruntled chef, who uh, you know who couldn't get work. I was a genius chef that was just too difficult to work with, <laughs> and uh, it was about me and my uh, new wife. That was the first wife. You know, just, you know, struggling to, you know, open a restaurant or something. And then the Fox deal, a few years after that deal, I was invited to Montreal to be on the Remember This Guy showcase. And uh, and I pitched a show that that was a that was a good idea. I pitched a show about a guy who had won the best uh, won the Oscar for best short film. Mm-hmm. And the backstory was he had all these opportunities, but he just blew it all with drugs and alcohol and 
and and you know got spit out by show business before it even started. He ended up back in his hometown of Tucson, being a, a wedding video guy. So he was an Oscar award winning wedding videographer, and that's that was the world. And then, but there was also one in between, right? Uh, the NBC deal, the original one, got extended to. Yeah, I was strip mall lawyer, a pro bono uh, kind of strip mall lawyer. And then there was then a, a, a script deal with HBO where I was uh, uh, an advertising executive who had a manic episode. The backstory on that was like I, I danced naked in a fountain in front of the building and uh, and then decided I was done with advertising and I was going to just sort of kind of change the world uh, that was like your enlightened pitch yeah yeah right right. in small increments so i had this large list of things that i had to do to change the world and i was in uh you know that we wrote a script i wrote a script with jerry stahl that was a pretty good script and elements of that uh, of that uh that dynamic you know kind of appeared in the series this time uh, when the recovery episode and the sponsor episode but but the IFC thing happened because, you know, I was doing this podcast and I took a general meeting with Jim Serpico at Apostle who liked the podcast. You know? I mean, I mean it's just, I'm, I'm probably the 8,000 person to point this out to you, but the one that took is the one about your life. Right. The other ones were just, you know, sort of putting the character of me. Yeah. You know, into situations where I thought it could work. Did you feel like your own life wasn't compelling enough for a show? No, but I think that was just the nature of, of what comics did at that time is that, you know, you had a point of view. So now build a world around it. Yeah, it was. You, you, there weren't very many comics being comics on television. I mean, Seinfeld sort of changed that, you know. And then Larry David, and, and I think that you know, it's it. There are precedents for it, you know, like the Dick Van Dyke Show to a certain degree. But but it wasn't until recently that I think the culture sort of acknowledged that you know, comedian was a job that people had. And, and you also wonder, like, how many how many shows about comedians being comedians do there need to be at any no, one no, time? No, no, that's right? right. That's right. You know, and so, you know, Seinfeld does it, and then, you know, Larry does it, and then Louie does it, and, and then, uh, you know, so my angle was really, you know, well, yeah, I'm a comic, but, you know, the real thing that I'm doing that's interesting in the sense of something that's new and that was really unpitchable 10 years ago was, the, you know, I, I'm having celebrities come to my garage to to talk to me. And yeah, I think if I would have pitched that 10 years ago, uh, just as a fictional concept, they would have been like, that's ridiculous. That it's, also like, it's also like, hey, here's a great excuse to get a, like, a name or a semi-name in every episode, right? Well, that's the reality of the thing. I think that once, you know, when I went into Serpico and, you know, uh, he said, what can we do with this? I said, well, how about we do a show about a guy who does a podcast out of his garage after everything is crapped out on him and he talks to celebrities and he was like, uh, yeah, uh, that seems like a, a valid idea, you know? And I'm like, all right, well, this, so he got some money together from uh, from Fox Studios and we shot a presentation and, uh, you know, and it worked, you know, I mean, the idea was, yeah, I mean, we can integrate celebrities into it in the same way that like Larry Sanders did or, or something like that. But I mean, that's really the nature of my life. Um, and then we took that presentation around and IFC loved it. And they were like, let's make this show. And then we made 10 of them and they look pretty good. So you're engaged now. I just got engaged again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> I mean, oh. I'm very excited. What did I say? She, we'll, we'll, we'll edit that out. Uh, she, she, you know, she, 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 you know, she must know from early on, you know, based on how much you do, that's confessional that some of this stuff is, do you have to, do you have to go into it with like a deal that, that you know, there are certain things that I'm not going to air in public? Yeah, usually I, it's after I do it once. 
and then you know that becomes a problem uh yeah it's it's it can get dicey but that's always been the case you know as a comic who does stuff about their life um that happens those are discussions that have to happen yeah uh you know but i you know with within the show i mean there have been bits i've done on stage where she's like you know i I don't want you to do that and i'm like you know but it's my life and it's and and she would say like yeah but it's your point of view of your life and uh, you know you're you're characterizing me in a way that and i have to go like well i don't know okay you know it really comes down to a choice of like do you want to you know do your act or, or keep the girl. Right. But there's ways to navigate that. Um, you know, like the show is, is fictionalized. You, you know, it's not a reality show. You know, there are, there are things in the IFC show that are based on my life, but it's also based on events in my life that happened, you know, three years ago. Uh, you, you know, it takes some finessing, but, uh, you know, ultimately it, it is a scripted show. Uh, the stand-up's a little more uh, tricky because, you know, that's first person. And the book, that when I wrote the book, there was a chapter in there that she was like, you can't put that in there. I just don't, you know, I'm not a public person. And, you know, I, I just don't think, I think it's stilted. And I fought it and, you know, I rewrote it and she was still like, no. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'll take it out. And I wrote something else that was actually better. So, you know, that's, you know, that's how uh, selfish men learn how to be better people is by having a, a woman kick your ass. Has has the show has the show made you a better person, a more a more level person, and like an easier person to get along with? Yeah, mostly. I mean, I don't know if it was the show. Well, I think I mean, the it was, podcast and working through well, you're yeah, working I, through I, issues I, on, well, on. But I think more so what it was was you know I've not done what I do creatively in terms of my voice, you know, differently in the sense that like I've always been trying to be myself i you know i've been more aggravated at different points and you know i've i've focused on you know different things but it was always an evolution of self there was no there was never any sort of like well i'm going to do this character now or you know i'm going to you know do you know more of this now uh you know it was always sort of like the sort of journey of self creatively and i think what the podcast ultimately did for me was you know by the time i'd done the podcast i'd really let go. I mean, genuinely, you know, surrendered any idea that, you know, I would be, you know, one, you know, an important comic and two, you know, have any real television opportunity. You know, at that time, at that point, I was like, I just have to figure out something to do uh, to survive. And, you know, the thought of being just a sort of kind of, um, you know, unknown headliner, you know, out there on the road for the rest of my life was, you know, that that was like like purgatory or, or being dead to me. You know, I, I didn't see how I could manage that life. I, I mean, you know, what 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 is what is being known mean to you? Because, you know, I you've you've always been able to tour and there there've always That's been not people. True. No? Okay. Yeah, because really, you know, what anyone thinks is relevant, you know, which is like, you know, okay, I've been on a lot of Conan O'Brien's or whatever. But you know, how you pick up traction culturally, who knows what that is. The fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I'm, I'm a capable comic. I'm an original comic. I've been respected by comics and some people know me, but I didn't have much cultural traction because when it really, when it comes down to sort of boots on the ground, making money and having opportunities, you've got to sell tickets. So it doesn't matter, you know, how much you've been on television or, or what. I mean, if you can't sell tickets, then, you know, it doesn't mean anything. You know, yeah, you can, I can get road work, 
So what I mean by unknown is really just that, you know, do I have a fan base? And, and I didn't. Yeah. So I think what the podcast had done, has done more than anything else is that, you know, with, despite money or anything else, I feel like because of how people respond to it and what it seems to be doing for people and, and how, what they're getting out of it, I feel like I've done something relevant. So I think for the first time in my life, what I have that I didn't have is some genuine self-esteem around, you, you know, what I dedicated my life to. I, I guess the question that is like, did you have a very specific idea of once I hit this, then I will be successful? I mean, obviously, as you go along, that well, changes. Dude, you know, after you know, you, you hit a certain age. I mean, I'm almost fifty, so you know, whatever you think you wanted when you were a kid, yeah. you know, it really changes into well, you sure. know, I'd like to, you know, not die broke and have insurance. Well, yeah, and doing, I mean, you, know, you know, and like doing, you know, if somebody told you you'd be doing a successful podcast five years ago i mean you know what what does that even mean right no i i don't know what any of that means i i'm not that i don't have that much foresight you know i'm not that calculating i never had a plan i didn't have a career path i just wanted to be a great comedian did i ever think that i would be you know a, a great interviewer or that i would be known for doing this thing uh that that is unique and authentic that has to do with talking to other people no i had no sense of that it, you know was it hard for me to accept that you know people know me for this uh this ability over my stand up originally it was i still have a moment where you know if i do a stand up show and people come up to me and go i love your podcast i'm like well what about what i just did on stage here for an hour you know but you know i've i you know i've grown to appreciate that you know, whatever it is I'm putting out there, it has to do with, uh, you know, my honesty and, and my, you know, vision or my ability to engage or whatever my creativity is. So, uh, but no, I, I, I didn't see anything happening. Yeah. I, I saw you do stand up in the, in the Air America days and I've, I've seen you do the podcast live, but I haven't actually seen you do stand up since you started doing the show. And I'm well, wondering. There's going to be a special on Netflix probably in July, maybe August. How has has it changed? I mean, obviously, you're probably. I assume you're not paying as close of attention to the news as. Yeah, you know. I, when I started the podcast, I was very specific in terms of like you know I didn't want to be involved in the political dialogue anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you know, I can do it and I can apply myself to it, but it wasn't really my passion. And I felt that you know dealing with more existential issues was more important and getting to the roots of of my own you know anger and, and my own sort of observations about things. I'm getting a little tired of of myself. I have, I have thoughts recently that you know maybe I should reengage with something outside of my you know immediate situation. Uh, and you know I think I will. Um, but but it was it was a, it was a very a very cal- that I was calculating in that that as much as I enjoyed doing. Uh, talk radio and and doing politics it, it's extremely divisive and i thought that i had more to offer are, are, are you do you do you feel better are you healthier now that you're not like following politics all the time well i just think that like you know you're it's very hard not to be used by that process is that it's very hard to find your own voice uh you know depending on what side you're servicing there's very few original political thinkers and when you're reacting to that cycle uh, the legislative cycle or the political cycle or the news cycle uh you know you you are in some ways uh you know not only uh, i wouldn't say it's parasitical but but, you know, you will end up servicing an ideology and you will not have a, a lot of original thought. You will you will have reactions that will you know be rooted in the ideological side that you take. So, you know, you can get a lot of anger and you can have moments of righteousness, um, you know, even if you don't feel them just by, 
you know, having an ideological bent on something. So I was looking for something more authentic. Also, like, I think that the TV show, you know, one thing that we did was, you know, one thing that was important to me was to create, you know, that, you know, to have that authenticity, yeah. you know, over, you know, sort of writing jokes or being in, insanely concerned, you know, with, with the comedy, we, we sort of let, you know, what I do breathe on there. And, and IFC was supportive enough to sort of, you know, let us do that. So I think what you have because of that is, you know, some fairly unique television. So, you know, that was the biggest surprise was to have that opportunity because I thought that was way out of the car. You know, that was off the table. And then to do it with, you know, a certain amount of of autonomy and 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 sort of, you know, commitment to what I've already been building was, a, you know, was a great uh, was a great thing. All right, there you have it. That was uh, that was Mark Marin. Uh, thanks so much to Mark for taking the time. Thank you, uh, thanks IFC for setting up that interview. Uh, want to want to apologize after the fact for the relative uh, relative brevity of that episode. Uh, Mark's uh, Mark's a busy guy. He was uh, he was in town promoting the uh, the final episode of the first season of Marin that uh, that debuted last week on IFC. Uh, just finished up a book tour. Was I believe trapped in uh, in Buffalo, New York. For, for an extended period of time uh, and uh, had just done uh, had done uh, Letterman for the first time the day before. So, you know, of course, preparing himself for uh, for the big time, like uh, podcasts on their eighth episode. Uh, but uh, but but all things considered, I think that uh, went went uh, went pretty well. Mike was in uh, was, was in fairly good spirits for that one, uh, in spite of being uh, fairly busy and uh, in spite of the fact that it's been disgusting here in New York City uh, so so Mark thankfully got to got to go back to that beautiful 120 degree weather in Los Angeles California uh, thank you so much for listening if you liked what you heard please uh, rate us on iTunes uh, you can follow us on Tumblr it's uh, it's riylcast.tumblr.com uh, notes, notes on things. You can send those notes on things to us. Uh, that's also R I Y L cast, uh, but that one's at gmail.com. Uh, got, uh, got a couple more episodes, uh, in the can already, so, uh, stay tuned. We've got, uh, interviews coming up with, uh, cartoonist, uh, Julia Wirtz will be on the show. Uh, we spoke to, uh, to, to Douglas Rushkoff, uh, the media theorist. We spoke to, uh, Ellen Forney, uh, another cartoonist. So, uh, so yeah, lots, lots, lots more show to come. Thanks for listening, and and uh, we'll we'll catch you next week.